Chapter Five of Benjamin Franklin by Robin McCown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Thunder Giant. A few years before his retirement, Franklin, on a visit to Boston, attended a display of electrical tricks given by a Doctor Adam Spencer of Scotland. There is no record of the nature of these electrical tricks franklin commented later that dr spencer was no expert and that they were imperfectly performed since he had never seen anything of the sort before he was surprised and pleased that sparks could be produced by friction had been known since ancient times little more was known about electricity until in the first part of the eighteenth century a young frenchman charles francois de fay identified two different types of electricity vitreous produced by rubbing glass with silk resinous produced by rubbing resin with wool or fur such frictional electricity was brief-lived sparks flashed and were gone and that was the end of it was there any way in which electrical charges could be preserved from the rapid decay which they underwent in the air around seventeen forty seven two scientists were working independently on this problem e c von kleist of pomerania and peter von muschenbroek of the university of leiden within a few months of each other they had found a method of storing electricity in a container the leiden jar this container was named it was the first electrical condenser in one experiment muschenbroek suspended a glass vial of water from a gun barrel by a wire which went down through a cork in the file a few inches into the water the gun barrel hanging on a silk rope had a metallic fringe inserted into the barrel which touched an electrically charged glass globe a friend who was watching him a man named Cunaeus, happened to grasp the file with one hand and the wire with another immediately he felt a strange and startling sensation reportedly the first man-made electric shock in history Muschenbroek repeated what Cunaeus had done, this time using a small glass bowl as his Leyden jar. I would not take a second shock for the King of France, he said. Van Kleist in Pomerania produced the same effect. He lined the inside and outside of his Leyden jar with silver foil, charged the inner coat heavily, connected it with the outer foil by a wire which he held in his hand, and felt a violent shock run into his arm and chest a leyden jar could take any number of forms even a wine bottle would serve the type used most frequently during the next few years was a glass tube some two and a half feet long and just big enough around so that a man might grasp it easily in his hand the advantage of this size and shape was that it could most conveniently be electrified which was then done by hand by rubbing the glass with a cloth or buckskin this simple device gave impetus to research on electricity throughout europe it also provided a new form of entertainment performers went from town to town with their leyden jars giving spectators the thrill of receiving electric shocks and extolling the marvels of electrical fire louis the fifteenth of france invited his guests to watch a novel spectacle arranged by his court philosopher abbe jean antoine nolette the king's guard in full uniform lined up before the throne holding hands the first one was instructed to grasp the wire or chain connected to the leyden jar 
they all jumped convulsively into the air as an electric current was passed through them in italy some scientists tried to cure paralysis by electric shock claiming moderate success in may seventeen forty eight for instance jean francois calagagna thirty-five years old was given an electric shock from a simple cylinder type leyden jar since the age of twelve his left arm had been so paralyzed he could not lift his hand to his head after the first electrical treatment he at once raised his arm and touched his face there is no record as to whether the cure was permanent after franklin became aware of this phenomenon he was agog to try experiments on his own he wrote of his interest to a london friend peter collinson a quaker merchant and member of the royal society collinson promptly sent him a glass tube along with suggestions as to how it might be used for electrical experiments this was all franklin needed to get started he was not trained in scientific matters as were many of his european contemporaries he was unfamiliar with scientific jargon and could only write about what he was doing in everyday language but he had those qualities that are innate in any scientist with or without a university degree an inquiring mind patience and persistence his experiments beginning with the winter of seventeen forty six covered a wide range he melted brass and steel needles by electricity magnetized needles fired dry gunpowder by an electric spark he stripped the gilding from a book and he electrified a small metallic crown above an engraving of the king of england so that whoever touched the crown received a shock his home was soon so crowded with curious visitors trooping up and down the stairs he could hardly get any work done he solved the problem by having a glass-blower make tubes similar to his passing them out to friends so they could make their own experiments several of the junto members worked closely with him at first they electrified the tube as was still done in europe by vigorously rubbing one side of it with a piece of buckskin one of the club members a silversmith named philip singh devised a sort of grindstone which revolved the tube as one turned a handle to charge the tube with electricity all that was needed was to hold the buckskin against the glass as it revolved a vast saving in physical labor another invention of franklin and his associates was the first storage battery for electrical plates they used eleven window-glass panes about six by eight inches in size covered with sheets of lead and hung on silk cords by means of hooks of lead wire they found it as easy to charge this battery with frictional electricity as to charge a single pane of glass among his disciples was an unemployed baptist minister named ebenezer kinnersley franklin suggested he might both serve science and earn his living if he held electrical demonstrations kinnersley's first announcement of a lecture held in newport described electrical fire as having an appearance like fishes swimming in the air claiming this fire would live in water a river not being sufficient to quench the smallest spark of it he promised his audience such wonders as electrified money which scarce anybody will take when offered a curious machine acting by means of electric fire and playing a variety of tunes on eight musical bells the force of the electric spark making a fair hole through a choir of paper 
kinnersley lectured in the colonies and the west indies and was hugely successful neither he nor any of the other collaborators could rival franklin's own achievements early in seventeen forty seven he gave the names of positive and negative or plus and minus to the two types of electricity to replace the unwieldy terms resinous and vitreous positive and negative electricity became part of the scientific vocabulary he was the first to refer to the conductivity of certain substances electricity passed easily through metals and water they were conductive glass and wood were non-conductive unless they were wet he also noted that pointed metal rods were wonderfully effective in drawing off and throwing off the electrical fire after he retired in seventeen forty eight he spent much more time on electricity to peter collinson in london he wrote i never was before engaged in any study that so totally engrossed my attention and my time as this has lately done he kept collinson informed in detail of his experiments not because he thought he had the final word but in the hope that his experiments might possibly prove helpful to english scientists it was to collinson he described an electrical party to be held on the banks of the schuylkill river in the spring of seventeen forty nine a turkey is to be killed for our dinner by the electrical shock and roasted by the electrical jack before a fire kindled by the electrified bottle when the healths of all the famous electricians in england holland france and germany are to be drank in electrified bumpers under the discharge of guns from an electrical battery for christmas dinner that year he started to electrocute another turkey but inadvertently gave himself the shock intended for the fowl the company present say that the flash was very great and the crack as loud as a pistol i neither saw the one nor heard the other i then felt a universal blow throughout my whole body from head to foot that part of my hand and fingers which held the chain was left white as though the blood had been driven out and remained so eight or ten minutes after feeling like dead flesh and i had a numbness in my arms and the back of my neck which continued till the next morning but wore off he was apologetic rather than frightened by the near catastrophe comparing himself to the irishman who being about to steal powder made a hole in the cask with a hot iron this was soon after he had come to the conclusion that what he now called electrical fluid had much in common with lightning that indeed they might be one and the same thing he was not the first to propose this theory but no one before him had been able to suggest how it might be tested thunder and lightning had mystified humanity since the beginning of recorded history the greeks had held that thunderbolts were launched by the god jupiter one greek philosopher empedocles thought that lightning was caused by the rays of the sun striking the clouds hunters of primitive tribes prayed to the god of lightning who was a killer as they wished to be certain medicine men were said to be endowed with the gift of summoning lightning at will since biblical days lightning was assumed to be an act of heavenly vengeance but no one could explain the paradox that it struck church steeples more frequently than other buildings in medieval times people believed that ringing church bells would keep lightning away 
a belief that survived the death of countless unfortunate bell-ringers about seventeen eighteen an english scientist jonathan edwards suggested that thunder and lightning might be produced by a mighty fermentation that is some way promoted by the cool moisture and perhaps attraction of the clouds there had been very few other attempts to give a scientific explanation of the phenomenon and even in franklin's time many preachers considered lightning a manifestation of the divine will electrical fluid and lightning had in common franklin wrote in his notes on november seventh seventeen forty nine that they both gave light had a crooked direction and swift motion and were conducted by metals both melted metals and could destroy animals since they were so similar in so many respects would it not follow that lightning like electrical fluid would be attracted by pointed rods let the experiment be made by may seventeen fifty he was sure enough of his hypothesis that he elaborated to peter collinson the advantages to humanity of what later were called lightning rods i am of the opinion that houses ships and even towers and churches may be effectively secured from the strokes of lightning if instead of the round balls of wood or metal which are commonly placed on tops of weathercocks vanes or masts there should be a rod of iron eight or ten feet in length sharpened gradually to a point like a needle the electric fire would i think be drawn out of a cloud silently before it could come near enough to strike did he guess that he was on the verge of the most momentous discovery of the century one which would assure his name a place among the immortals it is fairly certain he was more interested in solving a perplexing problem than in immortality probably he took it for granted that european scientists were already three steps ahead of him by july he had prepared a manuscript describing all his exciting experiments of the past two years and including specific instructions for setting up a lightning-rod on a tower or steeple even to the necessary feature of a grounding wire let the experiment be made he had said he did not make it himself not then for one thing he was waiting for a spire to be erected on the top of christ church from which he wished to make his first try of drawing lightning from the skies also in spite of his alleged retirement his days were becoming increasingly filled with public duties he still had the gazette and poor richard's almanac to publish and edit beginning in seventeen forty eight he served on the city council since seventeen forty nine he was grand master of the masons in seventeen fifty one he was made an alderman and a member of the pennsylvania assembly where previously he had served as clerk in seventeen fifty an american philosophical society member dr thomas bond came to him for help in starting a hospital for the sick and the insane hitherto those who could not pay for medical care had no choice but the prison or the almshouse the need was urgent but dr bond had failed to arouse interest in his project those whom i ask to subscribe he confided to franklin often ask me whether i have consulted you and what you think of it when i tell them i have not they don't subscribe franklin knew promotion methods as dr bond did not and began by calling a meeting of citizens under his impetus the list of subscribers grew 
though not until may seventeen fifty five was the cornerstone of the pennsylvania hospital laid on eighth street between spruce and pine nearly thirty years later when dr benjamin rush joined the staff the lunatics at pennsylvania hospital received the first intelligent care available in america and with a few exceptions in the world franklin was also busy during this period in the formation of america's first insurance company stemming from a meeting of philadelphia businessmen in seventeen fifty two and was taking the lead in organizing an expedition in search of a northwest passage under captain charles swain america's first voyage of arctic exploration in the category of pleasure were the infrequent periods he spent on his burlington farm where he raised corn red clover herd grass and oats recording with scientific precision the effects of frost and the results obtained from different types of soil he was one of the earliest americans to think of agriculture as a science he could never persuade his farmer neighbors to follow his example they held that the ways of their forefathers were inevitably the best it may have been at his farm that he made his experiment on ants some ants had found their way into an earthen pot of molasses he shook out all but one and hung the pot by a string to a nail in the ceiling when the ant had dined to its satisfaction it climbed up the string and down the wall to the floor half an hour later he noted a swarm of ants retracing its course back to the pot exactly as though their comrade had verbally informed them where to go for a good meal there were few mysteries of nature on which at one time or another franklin did not direct his attention more often than not he wrote his speculations in long and entertaining and gracefully phrased letters to his friends men and women alike if he was not impatient to learn what peter collinson thought of his proposed lightning-rods it was simply that he had no time for impatience the truth was that collinson had found his paper fascinating and had even read it to the royal society as the society members remained sceptical and unimpressed in seventeen fifty one he arranged for it to be printed in a pamphlet experiments and observations on electricity made at philadelphia in america dr john fothergill a london physician wrote the preface the pamphlet was translated into french the next year creating immediate excitement three french scientists the naturalist count georges louis buffon thomas francois d'alibard and another named delore resolved to carry out the experiment on drawing lightning from the skies which franklin had outlined it was d'alibard who succeeded first at marly outside of paris he set up a pointed iron rod forty feet long not on a church steeple as franklin had recommended but simply on a square plank with legs made of three wine bottles to insulate it from the ground during a thunderstorm on may tenth seventeen fifty two a crash of thunder was followed by a crackling sound and sparks flew out from the rod here then was absolute proof that franklin was right lightning and electricity were identical delore repeated the experiment in paris eight days later louis the fifteenth king of france was so moved that he sent congratulations to the royal society to be relayed to messieurs franklin and peter collinson 
the first successful experiment in london was made by john canton soon it was being repeated throughout europe the name of benjamin franklin was on everyone's tongue no news of all this had yet been brought on the slow sailing ships when in june seventeen fifty two franklin decided not to wait for the completion of the christchurch spire for his experiment he had another scheme why not try to draw electricity from the skies with a kite make a small cross of two light strips of cedar the arm so long as to reach to the four corners of a large thin silk handkerchief when extended tie the corners of the handkerchief to the extremities of the cross thus he later described the body of this world-famous kite like ordinary kites it had a tail loop and string at the top of the vertical cedar strip he fastened a sharp pointed wire about a foot long at the end of the string he tied a silk ribbon he fastened a small key at the juncture of silk and twine with this child's plaything he and his tall full-grown son william took off across the fields one threatening summer day they let the wind raise the kite into the air and they waited even before it began raining franklin observed some loose threads from the hempen string standing erect he pressed his knuckle to the key and an electric spark shot out there were more sparks when the thunderstorm began after the string was wet the electric fire was copious he must have grinned triumphantly at william and perhaps said casually well billy we've done it there is no evidence that he realized his experiment might be dangerous even deadly the first account of the electrical kite appeared five months later in the october nineteenth seventeen fifty two issue of the gazette poor richard's almanac for seventeen fifty three contained complete instructions on how to build a lightning-rod he had already put one up on his own chimney it had small bells which chimed when clouds containing electricity passed by the bells rang in his house for years news of his triumphs abroad were now flooding in the praise of the french king he wrote a friend made him feel like the girl who was observed to grow suddenly proud and none could guess the reason till it came to be known that she had got on a new pair of garters the royal society making up for lost time published an account of his kite in transactions their official paper and in november seventeen fifty three gave him the copley gold medal for his curious experiments and observations on electricity they conservatively held off making him a member of the society until may twenty ninth seventeen fifty six at home harvard yale and william and mary college in turn gave him honorary degrees of master of arts while these and other tributes were being heaped on him he was launching into a new profession that of military expert and officer End of chapter 5